Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you today to talk about personal and spiritual growth for the recovering insecure attachment type. I'm proud to be a member of the Recovering Insecure Attachment Type Club. (laughs) It's not a real club, but it should be. (laughs) And today I'm so excited about this guest. I'm just excited that this interview is finally here. She and I recorded this a while ago, but Allie Dunn is today's guest. She's a San Francisco Bay Area facilitator, speaker, and coach for creative and ambitious female professionals and entrepreneurs. Today, we talk about self-doubt, perfectionism, burnout. We talk about imposter syndrome. She shares about trainings that she's done and how it's impacted her life. And my favorite is we end with big things that she's done in her life, which I think is so cool. And she talks about how she got her office space, which is huge. It's just, it's so fun. She's a mama and she talks a lot about balancing motherhood and um, getting back into the career workforce. So, oh my gosh, all things career today. It's such a fun episode. She's amazing. As always, before we get into the episode, I do my little check-in. So for me this week, what's going on? Oof, major, major, major reprogramming work. Holy smokes. It was, I just, it was a rough one. (laughs) I texted my fellow coach, Rachel Besser, and was like, yo, this feels, I feel like I'm going through a Mercury and retrograde. <laughs> All systems fail. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Hormones are crazy. I am like on the edge, you know? And she, I was like, what's going on in my chart? Because I was like, oh, we got to blame something. Let's blame the stars. So she looked at my chart and she's like, yeah, there's some stuff's going on, but like it does not at all sound like what you're talking about. <laughs> So reprogramming is really what I actually had to do instead of blaming the celestial heavens for the energy that is surrounding me. It was such a great learning experience. So I want to share what happened and and how I've been reprogramming since. But I had my baby shower this weekend and it was amazing. It was so fun. It was an outside picnic. We had tie-dye. We had tamales. So many people, so so much family came up for it and um, so many friends were there and old coworkers. And it was just like so fun to see so many people. It's kind of like my friends hosted it, which was amazing, but it's kind of like the first big event that we've hosted since COVID. And before COVID started, the first big event before that we had was our wedding. So that was three years ago. Also celebrated our three-year anniversary this week. Very exciting. So (laughs) I woke up the day of the event to just a bunch of text messages of people that were unable to make it. A lot of people had COVID. A lot of people were sick. I mean, there's just so many different reasons that people weren't able to make it. And every single reason is so valid and so important for them. But with my insecure attachment type, um, recovering insecure attachment type. I love to just make everything about me. So (laughs) I decided to focus on how many people weren't coming to the event as opposed to all the wonderful, amazing people that did come to the event. 
and just got really, really stuck on feeling rejected. You know, I, I just went straight back to like to do reparenting on it, like straight back to middle school, feeling like no one's coming to my party, like that kind of thing. And it was like really, you could just tell it was like deep wounded childhood drama because the way that I was reacting was so black and white, right? Making so many different assumptions about the meaning behind people not coming. When in fact, the meaning that people aren't coming is completely neutral. But my little insecure brain was like, eh, I'm freaking out. <laughs> so anyone listening who was invited to the party and wasn't able to make it, just please know that I love you and I'm not making this at all about you. This is me having a teaching moment of being able to teach my brain that people obviously are going to make their own decisions. And that's actually what I want people to be doing, the right decision for them. And when people make those decisions, it doesn't mean anything that that I'm less than, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not wanted, that I'm not loved, all of those things. This was also compounded by family time. You know, it's been a while too since I've hung out with a bunch of family and like a lot of family was coming together for this one. And I was noticing a lot of inner mother wound stuff coming up. So feeling left out, feeling not important, feeling unloved. I mean, it all really comes back to unloved for me and (laughs) not feeling wanted, which is a huge fearful avoidant attachment type core wound. So, I mean, all roads lead to reprogramming (laughs) in my little brain, asking for my needs to be met, trying to equilibrate with I am enough thoughts, noticing where I am enough. Um, What I didn't do was cost benefit analysis. So really figuring out like what is the long-term cost of, of thinking this way and what is the benefit of actually letting this go. So there's a lot of stuff that I started to do, which I just want to share. So for the reprogramming, I've just really been trying to think about, notice, and flood my brain with the emotions and memories of times when I was enough, specifically related to all those people that didn't come, specifically related to um, social, like other social things in my life, family, my own marriage, my relationships, those types of things, so that I can start to show my little brain, my little fearful, avoidant, recovering brain, that um, there are these moments when I am, like there is validation, there is evidence that I am loved and that I am good enough and that I am accepted and that I am important. The more that I could do that, then the less that I'm going to go to these like extreme black and white thoughts of I am not good enough. Oh my God. So it's a journey. I've been um, doing this for the past couple of days. I've definitely already seen a difference, but I wanted to share that with you because I've done so much work and it never ends. I don't know if, well, okay, I'm not going to say never, but like it continues to keep coming up. So this is an opportunity to make change in my brain, which I love. I love that. So wanted to share that with you. That's what's going on with me this week. Things are on the up and up. I'm so glad. Thank God. (laughs) And I just want to say thank you and have a moment of gratitude for 
everyone that made that event so special and so fun and that made tie-dye for our baby. It really was such a special afternoon. It went by so fast. You know, that's always a sign of a good time. So, (laughs) so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, speaking of thank yous, (laughs) before we get into the episode, I also want to thank this week's sponsor of Lit AF, which is Semaine Health. They create amazing, amazing products. I highly recommend trying it. Their product has changed my life. They offer PMS and period support. And I used to have just heavy, painful, really uncomfortable periods. And taking their supplement like cured it like night and day. So they've got some other products for your urinary tract. They've got some menopause products. They've also got like a daily hormonal supplement. I love, love, love their products. They're female owned. Um, they're women of color. <laughs> I'm obsessed. So uh, we're really, really, really appreciate that they're supporting the show. And if you are interested in getting 20% off their products, you can go visit their website, which is semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And use code LITAF at checkout and you'll get 20% off. Highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend. I didn't, yeah, you don't have to skip another day of work. Just try it. Just try it. So good. All right. That's it for my announcements and my intro. Thank you so much. All right. Let's get into this episode with Allie Dunn. All right. All right. Here we are. So, Allie, welcome to Lit AF. Could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, I would love to. My name is Allie Dunn, and I'm a career and mindset coach in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I primarily work uh, with women who are looking to level up in their careers, transition out of their careers, and also entrepreneurs who are trying to be more visible and, and basically be able to earn a living and enjoy the work that they do. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So many things. Wait. So what's happening when people are transitioning out of their careers? Well, they're transitioning to something more fun, really. That's ah, what's happening there. Yes. Yes. So one of my, <laughs> my favorite clients is someone who I'd worked with who'd worked for 20 years in marketing. And she actually had been laid off during COVID and was thinking, okay, am I going back into this grind? Am I going back into the space? I don't know what I want to do. And working together, we kind of uncovered the possibility and the idea that, well, what if you don't? You know, what if Mm. you actually decide to do something that is meaningful to you or something that requires or gives you more freedom? Because that's really what she was looking for. She had been tired of doing kind of 20 years in the corporate sphere. So did a lot of deep work and figured out that she was really, you know, into sales and wanting to move into more of a like a realtor position, but also Mm. had this amazing skill of doing resumes and doing consulting work with people who are looking for work. So she kind of ended up doing like a hybrid space. I know it was amazing. And she just got a realtor's license and she's like launched her business. And it was two years ago that we worked together. And I just like, that brings me joy beyond anything that I can imagine. So that, that feels like that's the transition that we all want. Right. Uh, Oh yes, for sure. I love that. You just said it took a couple of years for her to transition. I love that. Cause I'm always like, I want it right now. Like Yes. Yes. And I think what was was great or one thing that was really helpful was, okay, what are the skills you have now where you could Mm. have either a small business, 
side hustle, whatever you call it. So you're earning income, you're using your brain, you're kind of growing on the side, but then you're also planting the seeds to do this bigger thing. So she was able to study for her, you know, realtor's license and kind of expand Mm. and, and network in that space. But then she also was really able to help people, which was one of her high values is helping and get people to, you know, get the jobs that they want and do some, you know, resume work and LinkedIn prep and stuff. So it was, it was amazing because I think sometimes people think it's all or nothing, right? Mm. Like maybe kind of what you're saying. So, okay, I'm working and then I can only do it if I'm hundred percent sure that it's going to work out and I can only do it in a way that I know. And it's like, mm. actually there's like a thousand other realms that could work out too. You just have oh. to be a little bit brave. Totally. Totally. So you mentioned values. I'm so curious. What are the common values that you see in clients that they want to do with their daily life? Yeah. I mean, that's such a great question because I feel like values work is almost what led me into being a career coach today. Wow. Uh, Because what happens when you are not living in alignment with your values is that you start to feel it, you know, sometimes physically, definitely emotionally, where you're a little bit detached, maybe. It's like this idea of things don't feel right. I don't have a sense of belonging. I'm not connecting with people. I don't feel the same way, but I'm too scared to share it. I don't really know what's going on. And I think what happened for me was that when I was working in sales, I really loved the relationships that I had with Mm. my clients, right? So when they sold, it made me so happy, right? When they Mm -hmm. came back and they said, okay, I want more of that. I need more of that. My business is great. I love that. But the problem that, that didn't work for me was almost that transactional piece. Like I felt like I have to hit the numbers and that kind of grind. So sometimes I would leave it feeling a bit empty, right? Mm. But I was like, I'm supposed to like this. I'm supposed to want to do this. And so when I kind of dug deep, this exercise that I use with my clients called peak experience. And so it's having my clients like think about a time in their life where they feel like their best selves, right? Mm. So maybe you feel really grounded, you feel really knowing you're in your best place. And when you can think about that place, then you start to extract the values from that experience. So for example, for me, one of my highlights of my younger life was traveling in Europe. So I backpacked in Europe. I lived in Portugal, worked in this bar, you know, kind of did my own thing for a little while and really just took this time to find myself. And when I pull the values out of that experience, for me, it's like independence, travel, adventure, bravery, honesty. Like I was able to be really authentic in that experience because I had, I showed up with no stories from my past. I just was who I was in that moment. And so I think it helped me understand things need to be meaningful for me. I also need to have some freedom. I need to have variety and I need to be able to be brave and I can be brave Mm. with my clients and push them into bravery. And so what I notice with people coming who work with me, they tend to have, they're very honest, you know, and they're very authentic. That is a, a high quality that I see. I also see growth, right? People want to either be, they want to be a better human. They want to have more purpose. You know, that's definitely a common Mm -hmm. theme. So I think that, and then also um, people who either are funny or have a sense of humor. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. I'm like, that's just like for me. Right. I know. I know. So I think that is just so key. It's just like who shows up at your door. I feel like often can be a reflection of you. And so I just get so excited. Sometimes I sit there and I think, I'm so lucky to work with this person, right? Like I think, wow, I'm so lucky to like be a part of their world and see the things that they're seeing and what they're doing. And so that part for me is really inspiring. That's so cool. Yeah. My value is definitely comedy. So totally <laughs> need more of that. <laughs> For sure. And that's, and if we were working together, I would say if you said that was your value and you were finding maybe at work that you were feeling a little bit like disconnected, I would say, okay, how can you bring that value into your work? Right. So we would think, okay, maybe before you start your next meeting, you put on like a Saturday Night Live skit, you know, and you mm. kind of bring that to the meeting. Right. Or maybe there's just things that you need 
to kind of amp up that feeling of humor or comedy in your workspace so you can feel more engaged. I mean, it's so fun. I also love that because it's like, I have a tendency, this is a pattern of being like, this isn't working. I have to blow it up. I need something new. Like, <laughs> this can't be fixed. I have to jump to the next thing, like, whatever the next thing is. Yeah. So I love the idea of like, wait a second. How can we just make the current situation work a little bit more towards what you need? Yeah. And I love just like the digging deep, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. that awareness piece, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, I don't like this. I want to run away. This isn't working for me, but it's what's the why? right? So if you can think, oh, it's actually because I'm bored. It's actually because I'm scared. It's actually because I'm not connecting with my community or whatever it might be. Once you can kind of have those identifiers, then you can leap if needed, mm-hmm. but not just like, oh shit, this isn't working out. I'm out. Yeah. Which totally. I've definitely done before. <laughs> <laughs> it's my go-to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is hard and uncomfortable. So yeah. see you later. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. I love that. I love that because going back to peak experiences, I feel like every time I record a podcast episode, I'm having like a peak experience. I know. It's so fun. So thank you for being here with me. (laughs) I appreciate you. It's so fun. Well, you saying that, it makes me think, okay, so connection must be a high value Mm -hmm, for you, right? Curiosity is probably a high Mm -hmm. value for you. Yeah. Yes. A high value, right? So it's like knowing that you can kind of extract them. And it's like, if those things aren't present in your life, like you can't be happy. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I am in sales now as my kind of bridge job. And it's like, I get the same thing out of those sales calls that you were talking about connection. I I get a little bit of curiosity too from it because I'm like trying to like figure out, like, suss out, like, what are your needs? Like, what is it about this thing that we're offering could possibly match with what you need? That kind of thing. Yeah. And you're probably really good at your job because it comes naturally to you, right? It's not forced, right? And people can feel that when they talk to you and it's like, oh, cool. We're just having a conversation and I might buy something from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no pressure. (laughs) This is a zero pressure situation. Totally. Totally. So fun. Okay. So how did you get into coaching? I want to hear that story. As I said, my kind of former, my past life, Allie, I don't know, 2.0 was worked in sales. (laughs) I worked in retail and wholesale and fashion, which I loved because there was an element of travel. So I felt that adventure. I felt, you know, I would go to LA or I go to Las Vegas and do these shows and it was great. And then I, so originally from Canada and I had moved to California. I lived in San Francisco for a couple of years and I became pregnant with my first daughter and I ended up staying at home with her um, instead of going back to work. So I initially I'd planned on returning to work, but the mat leave was about six weeks, which I feel like is a conversation for our next uh, podcast together. Um, And it was just not, not enough, right? (laughs) Not enough. I felt like my career had meant something to me, but it didn't mean everything to me. Mm. So it was kind of this piece of like, okay, this baby could mean something to me. And she does. Um, And my husband was very, very clear about his direction. So he Mm. knew what he wanted to do. And he was like, I'm doing this. And I thought, well, I'm not sure what I want to do. Why don't I just kind of stay at home and, you know, play the mom role for a bit and see what happens. And then I did that for a couple of years and I was just in process of looking for another job and returning to work. And then I got pregnant. Mm. So then I thought, okay, so here I am again. Now I'm pregnant with another child. Am I really going to go back to work and leave? So I didn't. So I stayed at home with my daughters for about five years and I didn't love being a stay at home mom. It was sort of just what was happening, you know, at the time and back to the values piece. It was kind of, it was a little bit redundant feel. I have a, a huge love of learning and of growth. And I just didn't feel like I was growing as a person in the way that I wanted to grow. And so I kind of went on my own deep journey where I just set some boundaries, you know, with the people in my life. And I just said, 
I need some time. I need some time to figure it out. And I might need a little bit of money. And I need okay. to really just like dig deep and see, are there other women out there who are experiencing this pain, I would almost call it. I mean, I definitely suffered from postpartum with my first child mm. and, you know, experienced really amazing therapy in between my two children. So I was kind of scared to have my third, my second child because the I first was it. so, I was just, it was just tough. Right. And so yeah. all of these things kind of come together. And so I had a really good therapist for many years. And then I thought, okay, are there other women out there who are confused about their next steps? And what I learned is there are, and I joined this group of women. So in Mill Valley at a co-working space, just outside of San Francisco, who also were do- figuring out their what's next. So it was with a group, it's probably about 17 women and it changed my life. Like it changed my life that every woman in this room, they could have been PhD, they could have been doctors, teachers, like entrepreneurs. It didn't matter what their job was, but the, the messaging and the essence was the same is that they did not know their next step and they needed a community of people mm-hmm. to, to flush that out of. They needed to ask themselves some hard questions. They need to figure out like what they like. They need to figure out, you know, all of the things that made them tick. And I think in that space, I remember sharing the journey of my life and the things, the highlights from my childhood and the experiences that I had. And I remember standing in front of these women, like crying as I shared my story. And I thought, I can't remember oh. the last time. A, I cried even because I almost felt like I was numb for a really long time and then realized that it's not my fault that my career didn't work out. You know, yes. it's not like, and I just, right, like I didn't ever think that. I always thought there's something wrong with me, right? Mm. I don't, I, I'm, there's something wrong with me. Right. And so yeah. to, to feel that, I thought, okay, this is really, really, really powerful. And so I ended up working with one of the coaches that was leading this group. And I mean, she just, she saw me for who I am in a way that I don't feel like anyone else had seen me before, because I kind of, we put these labels on ourselves. So I was known as XYZ, you know, and she was like, well, of course you can write your own book. And of course you can start your you know own blog. Of course you can run your own business. And I was like, I can't do that, you know? <laughs> I'm like, no. Um, and then I realized, wow, I had, because one of the questions that comes up a lot, I think when I work with clients or that people have asked me, is like that whole idea of what did you want to be when you, to grow up, right? So when you're growing mm. up, what did you want to be? And I, I wanted to be a fashion designer, a lawyer, and a psychologist. So those were oh my like gosh. my three <laughs> Wow. Right? Super random. And it's like, I started off on the lawyer path in college, like taking like political science. And I was like, a little bit dry, not really for me. And I didn't really pursue the psychology thing. And I think in hindsight, when I look back at that time, I think it was really because I was wrapped in fear. I was just really scared. I didn't know what that meant. And, you know, there wasn't anyone in my world growing up that was kind of mentoring me or kind of pushing me in that space. And so when I kind of went back and put the puzzle pieces together, I was like, the psychologist bit was key because it was like, I can relate to people. I'm intuitive. My desire to help people is beyond... But I also like to tell people what to do. And sometimes in coaching, mm. you can. Right? Yeah, like as, a, yes. as a psychologist, you're like, I can ask you a lot of questions. And mostly coaching is about asking questions. <laughs> but I do believe sometimes there can be an advisory piece, especially for people yeah. who are running their businesses or even just like, you know, interview questions and styles and that kind of thing. So I um, kind of put all that together and then decided to go and do a coaching certification. So I went to the Coactive Training Institute, which is about an 18 month program and threw myself into that. And that, because you do so much work on yourself, I feel like it kind of tore me apart yeah and then mm-hmm. I put myself back together okay good 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 but, I'm like but you got yeah. back together right <laughs> I got back together, I before, right um, yeah it was because I had to look really 
deep and go really deep into the stories that I had been carrying with me about either who I am, who I was, or who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so just a lot of revelations came up during that time. And then that's when I started my practice. And originally when I was testing the water, so in, in coaching a lot, it's these like small action steps that we take, right? So I'm really into action steps and really into spaghetti at the wall. Just try different things mm-hmm. and see how you feel. Kind of we're talking about what's that awareness. And so I originally had started by um, hosting like book reviews at my house. So I would pick like a self-help book that I know people were interested in reading, but actually had no intention of ever completing it and then have people over at my house and hold like a little forum. So the first one I did was like, get shit done is what it was called. I can't remember the (laughs) author. And it's like, I help people kind of set some goals and give them the highlight of, of that book. And so once I realized in that space too, in a group setting, that connection and community, then I feel like, I was like, oh, there's more to people than this surface. Like my life is great. There's actually a lot of people hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's right. And then the coaching. Yeah. So that was like, that was definitely the the meaning and the the meaningful part for me. And then, yeah, did the certification. And then I went on to do some Brene uh, Brene Brown's work. I've done Tarmor's Playing Big. I went to Berkeley Executive Education Institute. Like, I feel like I'm just, I, again, the love of learning. I can't stop. Mm, You can't stop. I get (laughs) it. I understand. Same. I'm so glad that you, you got put back together. It's funny. I'm doing a certification course right now for attachment style. And in the first like hour of the coach is just talking about like, so you're going to be triggered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have oh, some yeah. judgments and that's on you. Like it's up to you to like take care of that for your, for yourself. And like, obviously she's giving us the tools to do all these things. Right. Okay. But it was just so funny that like, I'm like, oh shit. Like I'm already like already with the course curriculum. I'm like very triggered by like looking at kind of my more dismissive avoidant tendencies and things like that. So it's I, I'm like glad to hear that this is a common thing in training programs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's so beautiful, right? Because it's it's the truth and it's like I, it's you have to almost go through it in order to be able to teach yeah. it, right? Or to facilitate right. it. So it's like exactly. but you don't think about that because I was thinking, oh, this is just I can study and maybe I'll get an A and all of that stuff. Right. right. But it's experiential, right? So you're in it and it's like, yeah, it's tough for sure. Damn. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, Okay. So let's pivot more towards talking about kind of like kind of your work actually. So I'd love to hear how do you help women build their confidence? You know, when I first start working with someone, it's really just thinking about, okay, what are they looking to achieve and what is their why behind that? And then going deep, right? So thinking about their values, thinking about what means something to them. I think that one of the things that I notice is it's just women playing small, right? So it's like, it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit more comfortable not to raise your hand, not to ask for more money, not to make those leaps, because in some ways, that's just how we're trained. So I kind of like dig in and talk about limiting beliefs. That's really like the core, I would say of my coaching, because it's just, what about that is true, right? So we might say something, well, I'm not qualified. And I can just throw back at you. Well, what about that is true? And they're like, well, factually, I'm not sure anything is true right? It's all the emotions around that. So, so really, I think in the confidence piece, it's just taking that stuff and shelving it, right? So thinking, okay, is this, is this truly, or is this your inner critic that's saying, oh, you're never going to succeed, or you don't have the qualifications and breaking through those barriers, right? And breaking through those boundaries and saying, you know what, I'm just going to try this. And sometimes I'm going to go as far to say, okay, 
prove yourself, like prove to yourself that you're as bad as you think you are, right? You know? Oh my God, I love that. Because right? it's just like, <laughs> if you come back to me and you tell me that like you failed as miserably as you did, I mean, I'll, I don't know, I will celebrate that because you actually tried, right? But it's like that I extreme, that. like you must go to the extremes to like shake it up and just kind of change your energy and start to look at yourself in the way that you deserve to be seen, not the way that other people have seen you. And that's what I noticed too, right? Is a lot of people just coming with, you know, whether they were labeled something in their house or the role they took in their, even the, their, their sibling relationships and all of that. It's that stuff that we have to, we have to check at the door. And then I think just from a societal standpoint, I mean, there are a lot of obstacles that women face, you know, in, in a corporate setting at, at, in work and just trying to think, how can we show up as women, how can we bring our femininity and, and how can we also even be introverts, but still be valued? So mm-hmm. I noticed that that, you know, that's kind of a problem too. And it's like trying to figure out how to change the narrative to what does success mean and, and how to show up as more feminine and still be powerful. Oh, I love that. That's huge. I'm, I'm guessing these are all baby steps. I love what you're talking yes. about. Like prove to yourself that you're actually as bad as you think you are in your mind. Like that's genius. It's kind of the flip of like, I've heard career coaches say all the time, like, what would you do if money or time was no object? And then I had a career coach that was like, no, what would you do if you knew you could, you would fail? Like what, what do you still love to do? that you would continue to do failing every single day. I'm like, that's the question I need because I can dream way too big. (laughs) So this, I feel like it's kind of like the flip of that of like, no, no, prove to me that like you actually don't deserve this raise. Like exactly. Exactly. Take the actions to show me that they're going to say no. Yes, for sure. And, and show, and show the world in a way, right. That like, that you're right. Because if, if we as women don't make these changes, right. And we don't put ourselves out there and we don't take these risks, you know, 20 years from now, things are still going to look the same. And it's just simply not okay, right? Like we need to be able to move the needle on how much women get paid. We need to move the needle on women in leadership. I just feel like that whole space, our, you know, fundamentally our world would be. I completely agree with that. My God, that is <laughs> Without going down that rabbit show. hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yes. It is what it is. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so it's those small steps. So I feel like when, uh, when I'm working with a woman and she is even internally trying to level up and she's trying to get that raise, right? If we had not worked together, it might've just been a a place where she said, oh, I'll take the 3% and keep going, you know, versus rehearsing and thinking with each other and think, okay, you're going to walk in there. You're going to bring in your, what I call like your brag folder of all of your accomplishments. You're going to put it on the table and you're going to ask for what you want. And then if you don't get it 100%, you might get 60%, make it 30, but it's still better than three. Right. Right. So it's just continuing to have those conversations and coaching women to like, just keep trying and just keep trying. Because the reality is, is like men do it all the time. There's no judgment. They go in, they ask, they walk away. And often if they're rejected, they believe it's the other person's fault. Whereas women believe it's our fault. (laughs) (laughs) My boss didn't get it. I would love to walk away and be like, oh, it was my boss. (laughs) Totally. My boss. All the time. They're at fault. I'm amazing peace, right? And it's just like, that's not really what's happening, but there's potential. (sighs) There's like potential for that to happen. There's potential for us to be unattached to outcome and not believe that everything is in a weird way about us or our fault. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Are you struggling with your period? 
Do you have really bad PMS? Is your period super painful? Do you spend the first day of your period in bed hugging a hot water bottle? If so, I want you to check out Semaine. They offer amazing PMS and superior support supplements. They seriously cleared my bad PMS right up. I cannot recommend them enough. They also offer an amazing daily hormonal balance supplement. So you can just be living your best life every single day, as well as a urinary tract cleanse and protect capsule. I used to have so many UTIs. It wasn't even funny. So this product actually helps you get ahead of the UTI so you don't have to have that painful stabbing feeling of a knife going through your bladder with a UTI. It's just the absolute worst. I'm so excited that they're supporting this show. They are a women-owned business and they make products for women and people with uteruses. If you're interested in healing your PMS today, check out their website, semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And you can get 20% off using the code LITAF. That's L-I-T-A-F. Check them out. I highly recommend it. You don't have to suffer like this. I suffered for too long. My sister and I, oh my God, we were just talking about this. We don't have to live like this. <laughs> you can get support today. Just try it. See how it works. Check them out. Again, that's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and get 20% off with code LITAF. All right. Now back to the episode. What do you say or or what are the kind of the steps you do with cl- clients that come to you with a little bit more trauma? Because a lot of the listeners are recovering their insecure attachment type. A lot of us come from very traumatic backgrounds. And I feel like this shows up in the workplace. Hello. Did not realize that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, how do you work with those types of clients? First, it is like a softer conversation, you know, and it's like, because I think it's almost in stages because initially what I always say is people come to me because, yes, okay, maybe they want to make more money or they want to switch careers, but there's always so much more underneath. So we kind of just start with like, what's your story, right? Like what values were instilled from your parents? What are you still holding to be true today? And just really keeping it like soft and, and open and just holding space, right? So I'm definitely not someone who's going to, you know, throw a tissue at you and be like, wipe those tears up or talk over, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes we just sit, we might just sit in silence. I do a lot of just talking about our bodies, you know, where, where do these feelings, where do these things show up in our bodies? And, you know, some people are like, oh, it's my throat, it's my chest. And it's like, just going inward you know, just going inward. And, and because as I'm sure, you know, in the work that you're doing too, it's just like, we have to be able to either sit with it or move through it. Right. We can't just kind of skip and skip. And I think that's what happens to us and specifically women kind of in this demographic, right. Where we just go, 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 go. And then one day we wake up and we say, I'm not okay. Right. I'm not okay. I have a lot of stuff that I want, I need to work through and it's not going to be solved by buying a new handbag or, 
you know, whatever, running away, right? We can't really run away from it. So I think that piece, it's really like that listening and holding baby steps of like the action that we're talking about. And then permission comes up a lot, right? So it's permission to be sad, permission to be angry. That's one thing I think that we don't give ourselves because we always come to the table or often come to the table with a smile on our face, right? Mm. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything is fine. You know, totally. Don't worry about me. I'll take care of everyone else. I'm fine. I'll survive. I, won't, I don't need to be taken care of, right? So that vulnerability piece is really, really huge. So I think when it comes to the trauma side of it, I mean, obviously if it's deeper, I mean, I work with people who have therapists and coaches, right? So it's like, there's that point, of course, I'm going to refer you. Everyone should get to. You got to get to, right? Not the same, not the same, right? Not the same. Yeah, exactly. Not the same at all. So some, some of that deeper work, but, but that stuff does come up, you know, and we do acknowledge it. We hold space for it. Cause I think also with women too, it's, it's hard for that anger to come up. It's hard to release it, you know, and one exercise I have is called the fuck you letter. And oh it's uh, for anyone interested in writing a letter that they don't intend on sending, but just need to say what they need to say. Right. Ugh, and they need I love this, this, right? Like you just have to, it's like, yeah. you can write it to yourself sometimes too. Mm. Like I wrote my own fuck you letter to myself when I stayed at home for staying home with my kids. And I realized it wasn't about that, but it was like, I felt like I'd missed out on my career and that piece. But I, you know, I went deeper in that space, but it was just like so many things are unsaid. And, and this is an opportunity to say what you want to say without having someone, the need for someone to validate you. Cause I think what happens often unless, you know, besides I would say us in this healer realm, I think we are good listeners. I think we really hold space for people, but often when we share other people's lenses come to the table, right? So if I said to you, oh, well, I'm a child of divorce. And then you interjected, so am I, and this is what happened to me. All of a sudden, what I say, it doesn't really matter. It's like what you're bringing to the table, right? So I think working with a coach and a therapist, it's like allowing that space for you just to share and be in your pain through your own lens. You know, so writing that letter, I think is really helpful to sort out your feelings too, you know, and, and I will say that one thing that happens as well is that there's anger, right? So a lot of us are angry. There's that anger piece and it's kind of that surfer, but if we surface, but when we look underneath it, a lot of times it's sadness. And I think tapping into that sadness is really, really difficult. Admitting, so difficult. Right? Like, it's like the grief of healing to me. It's yes. so hard. Yes. And you have to get underneath the anger to get to the grief and to get to the sadness. And then you release it. Yep. Right. But it, unless yep. you, if you don't go there, you can't get rid of it and you hold on to it for the rest of your life. And it shows up in other ways, right? It shows up in addiction. It shows up in traumatic relationships. It shows up in all these other spaces. But really, if you can just like sit with it, feel it, and then release it. You're just in a place that you never would have been before. Never. Uh, whenever I get to the tear stage, I'm like, yes. Yes. I welcome it in, right? I'm like, thank you. Like, I'm doing this perfectionism course right now, which is incredible. And it was the question was like, why do you people please, basically? And I started answering the question and I was like, because I just want love. And then I just burst out into tears. And I was like, oh, we got it. We got it. We, we, we figured it out. But but I needed to get to that stage and I needed to be able to be okay with the tears first before even allowing myself to like lift off that layer. Like it's it's Because so otherwise you would have continued with the story, whichever it was before, which is just, oh, they need it more than I do, or that's just what I do. Yeah. And it's like getting yeah. into the root of that is 
yeah, it's so freeing and it's so gratifying. But in this like busy world that we live in, especially for women, and you're just go, 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 do, 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 like you're not taking the time to feel it. So even if if you come to me and, we, and we're working together for an hour, even if we sit in silence for seven minutes, you're in a far better place far you better. know, than you were before because you're allowing yourself that space to grieve or breathe or, would, or to dream even you know, on the other side of it, right? So dreaming of, of possibilities of like what could be. Yeah, of what could be. I love that. It's also like a time for integration too because sometimes I feel like I'll have like amazing sessions with coaches and then I'll walk away and be like, that was done. <laughs> So that moment of silence can be so powerful to like, think, you know, really integrate exactly what's going on. And what happens in between too, because sometimes I find it's like, you know, you have a session and then something will show up five days later, mm-hmm. right? That you didn't think about, but it's like, it kind of was sitting in you. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like that realization and connecting the dots the way that you just did with your experience. And you think, oh, that's what it's about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Oh, so beautiful. Okay. So we can't not talk about imposter syndrome. I feel like women and imposter syndromes are just, we're best friends and not by choice. I know, I know, I know. know. We need a new best friend. Yeah. Confident lady or something. I'm not sure. Um, Yes. Yeah. I think that's something, that is something that I see across the board. And really, I mean, it has so many different definitions, but it's really just about feeling like a fraud right? It's about feeling like you don't belong. It's about feeling like you're not qualified. And it's that one, I feel like it's that kind of that one bridge to our success or our happiness or feeling on purpose is that it keeps us from doing the things we want to do because we're so scared that someone's going to find out that we don't know what, ta- what we're talking about. <laughs> right? All the right? Time. And then the reality is that if you peel it back, no one ever has all of the answers. You never know everything, right? There's there's opportunities to learn and grow, but we have to figure, I, collectively as women, often think we have to have it all figured out, out and then we show up, right? And then you show up and then someone says, well, actually we wanted it this way. And you think, I probably could have saved myself 20 hours if I would have not shown up perfect and then worked along <laughs> to make it better, right? And that definitely happens a lot um, with women for sure. Yeah, so I think oh in that God. space with, the imposter. It's like you can recognize it, you know, and you can acknowledge it because it's that awareness piece. But then you also back to that action piece, you have to take action. And you have to just put yourself out there and see what happens. And, and it's almost like a collective spirit, right? Like if you notice even in a meeting that other people are talking and not everyone is right all the time, you can also, it's almost like you have to get out of your head, right? Because in right. your mind, you're like, I can't speak. I'm talking to know the answer. And then you look around, you're like, actually not a lot of other people know the answer. And it's completely acceptable. It probably needs to be built more into the culture as well, that it's okay to fail and that there's something really empowering about putting yourself out there, whether you know the answer or not. Like, I feel like that is confidence, right? If you don't have 100%. all the answers, but you try. Yes, please. Like you're the person I want to hang out with is because you're trying, not because you're only like raising your hand if you have like that 100%. Everything put together. It relates, it totally relates to perfectionism, I feel like. Like it's just another form of it. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Because you're not, and then sometimes the standards are set so high, right? So with your perfectionism and you think, well, I have to do it perfect. I can only do it this way. So either it's unattainable so of right. course you're going to fail and then you become an imposter or you just can't make it happen. And it's just, it can be almost debilitating, you know? And I think there's like that procrastination piece as well that happens with perfectionism. So, oh, I'm just going to keep like, 
you know, cutting the corners and dotting my eyes and doing all this stuff. And then you're again, not moving, right? So you're in your head, you're maybe behind your computer, you're researching, you're finding out the best way, the absolute best way to doing something. And then life is passing you by and possibly that promotion. Oh my gosh. I just want to share that my previous career was in nonprofits and I feel like it's interesting. I was such a perfectionist and I feel like I found a career that matched my need for perfectionism, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. So in like in working for nonprofits, the bar is set so high. It's unrealistically high. And the pressure is so intense. Like there's no room for error. And I mm. actually had friends that would get written up if they made a mistake in like our annual report or something or if they like wow. left a donor out. I'm like, this isn't looking back. I'm like, this is absolutely insane. But when I was in it, I was like, this makes sense. This is right. And now that I've healed a little bit, I found this job where I, first of all, if you are looking for an environment where perfectionism doesn't exist, go work with a bunch of dudes. Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. (laughs) Oh my God. They don't even put their dishes away. Like they just... They don't think about it. They just—it's not even on their radar. One of the core values of the company is move fast, break things, which I've heard before, and it makes me think of the Kool Aid Man busting through the wall. And I like, oh my gosh, hilarious! You know, I'm, I'm just like, what is this? And then the other day, the tech team made made a made an error, and it wasn't like this huge error, but it was a mistake. And everyone was just kind of like trying to quietly fix it, and we tell the founder like what's going on, and um, the founder literally like five minutes after he after he heard about it, he goes, "Holy shit, move fast, break things!" And I was like oh my God, I am working in a place that is fostering mistakes and would prefer mistakes over perfectionism. It's crazy. Please. Yeah. It's crazy. But my whole body was like, you know, I'm on, I'm on a like personal roller coaster ride with it. Cause I'm just like, we made a mistake. <laughs> and, you know, we're still working with nonprofits. So I'm still like halfway in that world, right. Of, of needing that perfectionism. So I just share that because it does exist. And honoring you for a making that move. Right. And then also that they're walking the walk, right. Cause sometimes yes. I feel like just in the whole branding values world, people throw up stuff here and there and everywhere. But the reality is, is like they said it and you're living it. And like, I and I think that what you said about, you know, working with guys is so true. I mean, often when women, if they're preparing maybe for an interview or this idea of asking for more money, one of the exercises I do is really coming up with like your inner leader, right? So thinking, okay, who am I channeling when I go for this ask or right, or when I'm, when I'm doing, you know, looking for this great job or having these difficult conversations. And my inner leader is a combination of Brene Brown and Beyonce. And I oh, call what her- a combo. Beyonce, because I feel like she's like super smart and like bold and like research and like amazing, but then also just like crazy, like Beyonce part of just like energy and just like excitement and sexiness and all this stuff. So it's like, if I'm doing stuff, I'm like, okay, Beyonce's here. But what I found is when I've asked a lot of women too, sometimes they say like a certain man comes to mind, right? So when they're coming in and they're asking for like that raise or that promotion, they're thinking, well, I know so-and-so, and and maybe he works at your company, who just cruises in and asks for what he wants. And it's like, no biggie, right? So there's like this masculine energy that I feel like women channel in order to get what they want or kind of compete in that boardroom space. Because like you said, men are just super confident, unattached to outcome, and it's not about them. And I just think that is, sounds like it's so true where you are. And like that influence, right? Of, of being around people who don't give a shit. Yeah. I am so triggered. I am so triggered every single day and I'm learning so much from them. Like both can be true. Yes. 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 You're learning about yourself. You're learning about them 
And it's like you're picking and choosing. Like, what do I want to keep? What do I want to throw yeah, away? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then also like stating my needs when all the dishes are piling up in the sink. <laughs> yeah. And it's not my job, right? I mean, we it's could talk for days on like the women's like work, housework kind of situation, right? Where you just become the default planner, party goer, and, and dish cleaner because no one else cares. And it's like, that's also. Yeah. Yeah. I'm setting a huge boundary in that area. I'm like, Good. I find myself counting actually how many times I emptied the dishwasher. I'm like, that's not healthy. <laughs> I don't need to, go, I need to go to like that far from an extreme to like make sure that it's like equ- equitable. But yes. I am very much like, I am not going to be your caretaker. Like that yes. is just not my role. And then you're helping pave the way for other women coming in to either your workplace or in the future. Yeah. So oh, thank you. Love that. Love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what are some tools to deal with imposter syndrome slash perfectionism? Yes. I mean, I think it's what we said just about the action piece, right? So you have to take the action. You have to prove if it's true, what you think that I don't belong. I'm not smart enough. I think it's really important though, to just take that little bit of reflection and think about your rules, right? Like the rules that you follow and the rules that you've learned. And so I think that what happens a lot with imposter syndrome is that back to the perfectionism piece, like as women, we're often rewarded for being perfect, right? So having straight A's academically, hundred percent, raising our hands, all of that stuff where men often are rewarded for being innovative, rule breaking, boundary breaking, you know, so it's a, it's, it's the thing that we're conditioned with. So I think the first tool is to just stop and think about, okay, what are the beliefs that I have about myself or women in general? And what do I need to break? So that's like your, your leave behind your baggage. Okay. So I'm going to leave this stuff behind and then I'm going to bring this inner leader part with me. I'm going to take that forward. And then I think also it is that piece about setting yourself up for success. And sometimes it's really just environmental. I mean, it's some small details here and there, but it's always thinking about who am I at my best, right? So you have the imposter syndrome, but you've decided to take the leap. And let's say you're applying for the job anyway, and you get it, right? So now you've got the job, you still feel like an imposter, right? So step one, what are my beliefs around myself in this space? What does it mean to not be perfect? What does it mean to take a risk? What does it mean to fail? And then on top of it, what do I need in order to be my best self, right? How do I set myself up? And it could be like something is like, are you meditating in the morning? Is it your favorite dress? Is it your favorite song before you like hit that meeting? You know, just thinking about your, you and your needs. Because again, most women are thinking about everyone else and their response to them in that situation. But if you can mm-hmm. set yourself up to feel your best, right? To feel your most confident, Um, And then also having that brag folder that I talked about earlier of knowing your accomplishments, right? And sometimes it's just simple as reading these things before you go into a meeting. Like when I first started coaching and I was feeling, you know, not totally secure. And again, let's be clear, I'm not, you know, insecurity comes up every day, of course. But I remember um, making a sticky note and just putting some of the feedback that I received from clients on a sticky note, right? And so that I would be like, oh, She said, you know, Allie inspired me or I would never would have gotten my job at that. Whatever it was, I had this sticky note. And so then when I would get on a client call with a new potential client, I would read that first. Then we would talk. And it just made me feel good because that was true, right? I did impact these women in this way. And it wasn't up to me to decide, oh, they're just saying that to be nice or all the other things that kind of Mm -hmm. come up. So I think that Mm -hmm. brag folder or those quotes or those pieces Plus setting yourself up for success in your own, whatever makes you happy, I think is also just really key. I love that. It's huge. I I did that too when I first started my podcast. It was so helpful. 
so yeah. helpful because like because no one else is saying it to you right exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. no one else is like I always say like no one's gonna roll the red carpet out for you no right? like, no one's gonna be like oh please here is a career <laughs> magic career I chose for you with a magic salary and, and a magic five-star <laughs> review on iTunes and a million yeah. dollars right like no one's gonna right. do that for you no so you gotta like pump up yourself yeah right? you gotta do yeah. it. you gotta make it yourself yeah. otherwise you wouldn't yeah. right because you get too scared exactly yeah oh so much, so much fear in the beginning. So much oh, fear. Right. And that's yeah. what keeps us small and scared yeah. the fear. I would just love to hear before we go, because I know we're almost at the end. What have you seen like some of the biggest accomplishments or like the bravest accomplishments uh, of like what your clients have done or even what you've done? Like I'd love to hear you brag about yourself as well. Like maybe something that you've changed in your business that you never would have thought uh, before. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely go into the me talk for a moment. Um, I would say... You know, I would say a couple of things. One thing that really that I'm so proud of was getting my own office. And it might be something like I just, I was in my house, it was in the pandemic, my husband was working from home and I had spent X amount of time, you know, whatever, helping my kids learn school via Zoom. And I remember, you know, to my husband's, you know, love him, but I remember saying to him, I just don't think I can do this anymore. I can't work and be present with my clients in the bedroom while I hear you in the office like strategizing or whatever you're doing. And he's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, right? And so I kept hearing that. So I kept kind of believing it. But there was this part of me that was like, I am not happy and I'm not doing my best work in this scenario. And so I drove by this building one day, I saw it, and then I took my daughter, who was, I guess, like 12 at the time with me, and I said, I'm seeing this building, and I really think there's an office in there for me. And she was like, go for it. You know, just that that child joy, where she's like, you want it, you do it. And I was like, okay. And so I called, and I went and saw it that day, and and then I signed a lease, you know, right after. And it was like, it was the best decision I could have made for my business and myself was really just like taking that leap. And I also know as a coach, I was like, I need to walk the walk, right? I can't just sit around and be like, oh, that's scary. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. So, totally. Um, so I did that. And I just feel like my whole, everything changed. My relationship got better. I feel like I was happier. I had more boundaries with my family because it's also, as you know, I'm sure you're just walking around the house and you're, you know, doing stuff while you're trying to work and it's not, it's not great. So I think for me, doing that. And then I also think doing the executive coaching program at Berkeley was also a big thing for me. You know, I'm originally from Nova Scotia and I feel like I'm just sort of girl from Canada and to have done that accomplishment, it just, for me was like, it just, I don't know, it made such a huge impact in my life, even though the, I, the executive training and coaching part I do, you know, I integrate into my business, but it was like the kind of that confidence piece, right? right. Like I wanted to see, do I belong in this world too? Like where, cause it's that belong. I'm always, right. where do I belong? Um, mm-hmm. and so after doing it, I was like, we're all the same. We're all just humans with experience coming to the table. And so I felt like it was very validating. And again, just taking a risk and investing in myself and my business just made me feel really good. I love that. We are all the same. Yes. <laughs> We all have like hopes and dreams and this and that. And it's just kind of how we show up in the world and the, and the people we meet and the things yeah. along the way. But it's like, I have never had any client or myself look back and say, I wish I didn't do that. The right. only thing I think that people say is, I wish I would have done it sooner. Oh, yeah. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. So just do it. Just do it. Oh, do it. Such good advice. Such good <laughs> advice. Well, congrats on all of those things. It's oh, really exciting. Yeah. 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 Truly. Really good. Yeah. It's great. And then it's so wonderful to be able to share that 
with clients who are either on their own entrepreneurial journey or in their career space and just saying like, I'm here for you. I'm holding this dream for you. Because right, my, my goal and my role is really to have a higher vision for my clients than they have for themselves. So I'm holding it for you. No matter what happens, I am here. And then so to watch take those leaps and then come back with their success stories. We all need vision holders. So thank you. Well, on that note, how can listeners get in touch with you, follow along with what you're up to, that kind of thing? Um, so you can go to my website, which is AllieDunn.com. And then you also can find me on Instagram at Allie M. Dunn. And I'm on LinkedIn as well as Allie Dunn Coach. So I would love to hear from anyone who wants to chat a little bit more about maybe their career and life and yeah, what that could look like when your dreams come true. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I could do it for hours. Yeah. We need to talk to your inner Beyonce next. She'll be on the show next time. For sure. For sure. Or maybe we got glimpses of her today. I don't know. She might come out a little bit. She comes in, do a little this, a little research, a little stats. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. For listeners, she's like doing a little shoulder shimmy, but also like clearly looking like Brene Brown. So... A studious shoulder, Jimmy. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's very studious. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you, thank you. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. I just want to say thank you so much to Allie Dunn for being on the show today. What a fun episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. You can just hit that five-star review or, you know, whatever floats your boat. And of course, please share why you like the show. That helps us grow the show. This helps us offer this free resource to so many people. So Thank you for helping us out, spreading the good word. And of course, if you have a friend that is interested in listening to this, maybe they're working on their career, working on climbing that ladder, whatever it might be, becoming an entrepreneur, consider sending this episode to them. I'm sure that they would appreciate it. I know I learned so much on my healing journey and still do continue to this day from listening to podcasts. So thank you for doing that. And of course, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Semaine Health, for supporting the show. If you need some help with your period, if you're struggling with PMS or painful periods, if you spend the first day of your period in bed, check out their product. You can check out their PMS and period support supplements online at semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E h-e-a-l-t-h dot com. And you can get 20% off if you use code LITAF at checkout. So check them out. Highly recommend it. Thank you so much for listening. Please, please, please stay lit. I love you so much. Don't you ever forget that. And I wish you just so much joy on your own healing journey. And I'll see you back here next week. Bye.